presence is everything to a child of God. And you know what it's like when you've been outside of the presence, when the presence of God has not been there. And let me say this, we know this, but just, for, just to revisit again, when, when the presence of God is not near us, it is never Him, it's us. He never goes anywhere, right? It's us. And it's, and it's not that we can really get away, quote, get a distance away from God. David said, of, you know, whither shall I flee from his presence? Uh, if I take the wings of the, uh, of, of the morning and he is there, if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art with me. He said, I, I can't get away from your presence. But what, what, what gets between us and God is sin. Sin builds a wall between us. And, and it builds this wall to where it, it gets, the, the more sin that's there, the more rebellion that's there, uh, the, the more disobedience is there. That wall doesn't necessarily get taller or whatever. You could say that wall might start like a thin curtain over your window or a shear you might put over the window. And eventually as it goes on and sin isn't dealt with, it turns into just uh, plywood and then a brick wall that's in front of that. And, and li- listen, you're not seeing through the brick wall. You're not hearing through the brick well, you know, you're not hearing God. You're not feeling God. He's, there's no closeness. You, you understand this, right? And it's sin that creates that between us. If you ever get the opportunity, uh, a wonderful book written by Roy Hessen uh, called Calvary Road, the Calvary Road, one of the greatest books you'll read. One of the greatest books you'll read. Uh, it is uh, Hessen is H-E-S-S-I-O-N, Roy Hessen. He's long passed away now. He wrote also Not I But Christ, another wonderful book. And uh, he deals with he deals with that uh, that issue of of the distance of God in our life because of sin, and uh, just uh, one of the most convicting books you'll read, and it'll help you if you can find it. So, and I do have some extra copies. They are very hard to find. What they do is they go and modernize and update them, and they put these you know ungodly perversions of the Bible in them to modernize them. And they, it's it's you got to really search high and low for an original. That uh, with the, with the, that uh, the verses are King James Bible. So, anyway, look for that if you can. Exodus thirty three. Look at verse twelve. We're talking about the presence of God. Exodus chapter thirty three. In verse twelve, it says, "And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom wilt send with me." Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up, carry us not up hence. We've heard this. You're very familiar with this passage. Moses said, God, if you don't go with me, if you don't go with me, we're not going. If you don't uh, come with us, I don't want to go at all. And not too long hereafter, he has crossed the Red Sea. Here he is in Mount Sinai. They're up in the mountain and something really tragic happened. They're up there. God's given the Ten Commandments there at Sinai. He's given the law. And while they're up there, they're coming on the way back down with the Ten Commandments. Uh, Moses meets up with Joshua at a certain point because Joshua wasn't allowed to go all the way up. He meets up with Joshua again. And as they're coming down, Joshua says, 
what is that, what is that sound, uh, that, what is that noise I hear? What is that noise I hear? It sounds like, uh, Joshua said, it doesn't sound like somebody striving for mastery. It sounds like war, right? And what did they find out was going on down in the camp? Well, they'd been gone 40 days, 40 nights. The people got all uh, worried that he wasn't coming back. It was pretty tragic. I mean, I mean, kind of a... Uh, unbelievable if you're sitting at the bottom of Sinai and watching the smoke on the mountain, the fire, and Moses and Joshua has been gone for 40 days and 40 nights. And, uh, and uh, they said, well, hey, let's, let's make us gods. And, of course, Aaron, Aaron went along with it, said, bring all your gold. And they, you know what happened. They made these golden calves. What did they do? They began to worship. They began to worship the only way they knew how to worship, which was not in spirit and in truth, but in the flesh in that Egyptian way, and they began to cast off their clothing. They began to run around, screaming around, dancing around, jumping around in front of these golden calves, dancing naked before these calves, worshiping these gods. Aaron says, These be thy gods, O Israel. And uh, they began to worship them. I've told you before what Roloff said. Lester Roloff said that that, uh, Israel went away from God led, led, led by a worldly associate pastor. Aaron, a worldly associate pastor. And uh, yeah, he was, it was a bad thing. And remember Moses came down and said, what are you doing? And Aaron said, well, the people made me do it. I mean, they just, and I threw that in there and it just a calf came out. Yeah, whatever. Nice try. And, uh, and so, you know, this was a really bad thing here. I mean, this is, this is tragic. It really is. I think what's more tragic after, after, well, I don't know, 4,000 years, churches are still doing this. Have you seen the average emergent church? Have you seen the average church that uh, has the smoke and the lights and the, and the rock and roll music and they're dancing around all over the place and many of them are half-dressed? Or, and uh, I mean, there's just nothing new. I mean, this is just the same old, the same old paganism going on in churches today. The same old idolatry. Uh, same old pagan worship practices. What did they do? What did, he, what did Israel do? They, they went and worshiped like they knew how. In Egypt, and what are the churches doing today? These supposed churches, I'm telling you, they're not the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ, but these churches, these religions are going along and they're just worshiping God how they know with the world. Because they've never, sadly, I don't know how many of them have really been born again of the Spirit of God, right? And so here they are, and uh, this is is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. This worship service that they had going on. It was nothing to do with God. It was nothing at all. Moses' heart was absolutely broken. They had turned away from God. They had turned back to their Egyptian way. And uh, he was so upset he threw down the Ten Commandments on the stones. He was angry. They broke up. And God told him to go back up and write him again. This is where we're at here. And he went back up to the mountain. He asked God to forgive the sin of the people and God did. And this is where we are in Exodus 33. This is, was Exodus 32. Now we're in Exodus 33, right? Exodus 33, 1 through 3, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying unto thy seed will I give it, and I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, uh, some, some older manuscripts say the termite, Unto a land full flowing with, there's no termites, flowing with milk and honey, and I'll go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. 
And to Moses, this really actually was unthinkable. It was God who had brought the plagues upon Egypt. It was, it was God who had parted the Red Sea. It was God who had written the Ten Commandments. It was God who had done everything that they had seen up to this point. Every miracle, everything miraculous that they had seen. It was God who had done it. And now God tells them, I'm not going to go with you into the promised land. I'm going to send an angel. He's going to take you in. Yeah. Right. Look at verse 4, chapter 33. Look, look what Israel does. Verse 4. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on his ornaments. What a, what a sign of humility. I'll tell you what, when God humbles you, it's, it's, really, it's really hard to doll yourself up like you're something special anymore. The accoutrements of pride, kind of, you just don't feel like putting them on anymore. You look at the daughters of Zion over in Isaiah, and the daughters of the daughters of Zion. It says they they went about mincing with their feet, and uh, you know, and all of their all of their outward adornings, and their the Bible goes on with their tired hair and their wimples and their jewels and their this, and they treaded around like these little things. And and God said, "I'm going to smite you." It was just disgusting to God the the arrogance that was going on and the lack of humility. And it's amazing when somebody comes to humility, somebody comes to a real place of humility, yeah, the outward adorning isn't so important to them anymore. Being noticed isn't the hugest thing on their list, right? It's not the biggest thing. And uh, so they mourned and said they did not put on them, on him his ornaments. And, and so God said he wasn't going to go with them. And so... Moses went up into the mountain to talk to God. Look at verse 11. The Lord spake unto Moses face to face. I like that. As a man speaketh unto his friend, he turned again to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Wow. And here we are in verse 20. Moses didn't actually see God face to face, but God talked to him, spoke with him with such a audible in such an audible way and also i believe in such a manner such a free manner that was like just talking to a friend right some people approach god and it's it's almost like he's distant you've seen them and they've read a prayer oh thou most holy and righteous loving above all you know and you're like do you know who you're even i mean those are all true but my goodness there's like you know, it's a you know, here's a, a thousand miles away from a man. A distance, yes, absolutely. The Bible says Moses talked with God as, as face to face, right? As as with a friend. Look at listen to Numbers chapter twelve, six through eight, and he said, "Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision." Remember, they're complaining and murmuring, saying, "Hey, well, you know, God hasn't God spoken to us too?" Right? Remember Moses or Aaron and Miriam got all mad. You know, God, you know, why he doesn't just speak to Moses, right? He doesn't just speak to the preacher. He doesn't just speak to the head of the home. He doesn't just speak to the man. He speaks to me too, you know. God can speak to all of us. And God said, I'll correct that, right? He said, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so. Hey, he says, Moses is even closer to me than a prophet, Moses is not so who is faithful in all mine house. With him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, real plain speech, not in dark speeches, and the, uh, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. He will actually see my outline in my presence. Wow. Yeah. He was close to the Lord. 
And throughout this chapter, Moses is going to intercede on the behalf of the people. He has access to God. Amen. He absolutely does. And he's asking God to go with them. He's asking God to lead them. He's asking God to guide them along the way into the promised land. Moses didn't want to go one step of the journey without God's presence with them. Right? Because what he knew is without the presence of God, there'd be no blessing. There'd be no power. There'd be no provision. There'd be nothing there. Think about it for a moment. How much do we prioritize God's presence in our life? Are you listening closely? How much do we how much do we prioritize God's presence in our life on a daily basis? How many could say this morning, I know I'm walking in the presence of God today? I know that. Let me ask you this. How many can say, I know when I have been in the presence of God? And you can say, today ain't it. You don't have to answer that (laughs) out loud. Moses said, I I will, this is what's going on here. I will stay right here for the rest of my life. I will stay at the bottom of Mount Sinai. We will stay in this wilderness till we all die if you don't go with us. And how many people just truck through life just fine without God? Friend, we have a destination Right, God, God has called us out. He has cho- right. He has saved us. He has He has uh, uh, made us alive. He has a purpose for us. He said, "I know the thoughts I have of you." He said to Israel, "I believe He, he would also to say to us as well, the thoughts I have of you, not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of good, to give you an expected end." God has a purpose for our life. He has a destination for us to go to. It says over in Hebrews that there therefore now remaineth a a, a rest for the people of God. Right? There is a destination destination of rest for every one of us and friend we will not get there without the presence of God but some people are just content to attend their church service to have their little religious ritual to have their little life at the bottom of Mount Sinai but they'll die right there with all of the fireworks going on in the top and all of the smoke going on and around all of the people of God and all the excitement going on. But they're never going to go forward. They're going to die right there because they have no desire in the presence of God. Yeah. You realize without the presence of God, you are going nowhere. I am going nowhere. We're going nowhere at all. Do you want God's presence or we, do, we just want, do we just want deliverance? Do we just want the provisions? Are we like those that follow Jesus, you know, for, 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 the, for the EBT card and the food program and the, and, and the, and the uh, you know, the food bank and the clothing, the clothing bank, you know, they just followed them around for the miracles, right? Jesus knew their heart. He knew it. He knew it. Yeah, he knows ours today as well. If you could have his provision without his presence... Would you still long for his presence or would you just be okay? Money's in the bank. The job's good. Family's doing fine. Right? IRS hasn't sent me any letters in a long time. We're doing great. Right? A lot of people, friend, this, a lot of people, a lot of believers come to a place of contentment without the presence of God. And it's an unbelievable thing. It's not right. So from God's response to Moses' prayer, we're going to learn this. We're going to learn three reasons 
why we desperately need God's presence. And I'm going to move through this quickly because I want to get through all three of these reasons. Number one, well, we're going to deal with the first one, but there's three within this first first point we're going to look at today. But number one, they're, 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 without His presence, listen to me, there's no rest. There's no rest. We are living in a time of believers are the most unrestful people on the planet who should be the most rested. Remember when COVID came along? Remember that thing? Are you old enough to remember? Who's old enough to remember COVID? Right? That was like a couple of years ago. Have you ever watched more supposed children of God at such unrest? Fear and worry, right? I mean, th- this is what concerned me the greatest. As a, One of the greatest concerns I had as a pastor was watching children of God live in abject fear over something we couldn't even really prove was a total thing or not. And now time is bearing out and it's like, boy, right? And the world just came along, go do this and do that and do this. You better do this or you're going to die. It's like, we're going to heaven. What's the deal? <laughs> right? Supposedly somebody cornered, uh, cornered uh, John R. Rice in, a, in an elevator. I, I've heard this story for years. I, I've never been able to verify it, obviously, but supposedly... He was in an elevator and somebody pulled a knife or a gun on him or something. And all his response supposedly was, was don't threaten me with heaven, man. <laughs> you can't threaten me with heaven, right? No, no, I, I mean, there's no rest without the presence of God. I'm telling you, when COVID came along, friend, I understand it was a real thing to a, to a degree. But when it came along, it began to reveal the presence of God in many people's life. And began to reveal that, reveal that God was a long way away. Yeah. He's not given us the spirit of fear. That's not of God. He's, he's given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. What is that ultimate trust where fear doesn't reside? Exodus 33, look at 13 through 14. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Imagine Job's job, or Moses. Imagine Moses' job description. Think about it now, right? He, he's going to stand before the most powerful leader in the, in the, in the known world. He's going to command him to let all these slaves Slaves leave their their nation and go back to their own people and go back to their own land that God has promised them. And if he doesn't, God's going to bring out all of these pestilence and he's going to he's going to make them do it one way or the other. I mean, what a job that was, huh? What fear that was. And then after that, he's going to lead them across the Red Sea. He's going to have them stand, uh, stay right there at the Red Sea until the enemy gets so close that God has to get between them with the cloud and 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 obscure them from their their uh, view and everything from coming any closer and then he's going to part the red sea and they're going to walk through that and finally he's going to moses is going to lead a couple million rebellious stiff-necked people through a barren wilderness to this to this promised land that they've never seen what a job that is what a job that is but think about what god has given us to do go into all the world and preach the gospel what a job yeah when they say i don't want to hear it there's a guy yesterday, a guy yesterday, man, he opened the door. I said, hey, Crimson Avenue Baptist Church. He goes, uh, no. And he started to shut there. I said, like, you, you, I mean, you don't even want to take that? And no. I was like, wow, well, okay. I tried, right? And other things I wanted to say. But no, that's not, a, right? 
We have we don't get many of those, do we, though, brother? That was that was a rare one. But uh, just a few, yeah. And uh, but no, no, he's given us a task to do. I mean, how many of you would like to just open up conversations with people? So, uh, you ever think about dying? At <laughs> a guy in his late sixties, he told me he's late sixties. You ever think about dying? No. You can't be serious. Right? I think when I hit 40, I remember thinking, wow, I'm not going to be on the planet the rest of, for, for you know, very long, am I? I mean, we're not going to be for, I mean, something happens in your life. You get to a certain age and realize I'm not going to be here forever again, right? Uh, 67, I said, no, I never think about dying. Liar, liar, pants on fire, right? Good night. It's not easy to do that. It's not easy to go and knock on somebody's door. It's not easy to go and give something to somebody. I tell you, if you want a, one of the best responses of a track, grab our smiley tracks. There's, I was in a, a drive-thru grabbing a little something in Republic, and the girl there, I said, hey, you need, a, you, you need a smile, I think. And I gave it to her. And, of course, oh, it's so cute. You know, it's like, I mean, it's the greatest. And I said, well, you have to read inside. It's good. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, you know, and I you know, drove off. And they, great responses of that one, right? I don't know. The one that we have, I've got... Uh, I was going to design, you know, black with people falling into flames. I don't know, that one doesn't work as good as the smiley face one. I don't know. My dad had a friend who had a wagon. He used to, he used to have, right, all around the sides of this wagon, it, it had uh, flames and people falling into hell with Bible verses all over, you know. And mom would call up and say, hey, can we borrow, make one snow if we can borrow the hellfire wagon? And <laughs> he didn't think it was funny. He was very serious about it. And, uh. But, uh, no, it's not easy. Why? Wait, hey, you know what you need? You know what you need? You need the presence of God. You need, to, you need, you need the, the, under, the, the realization. And, hey, let me say this. The feeling and the realization and the knowledge that God is right there with you when you're going. I'll tell you what, when you know God's there, it's amazing. It's amazing the, the, the boldness that you can have. The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Absolutely. God promised Moses right in the middle of one of the least, of the least restful jobs you could imagine. He would give Moses a rest. You ever see those guys that work at, the, at, the, uh, you know, at some security shack at some, some big industrial park and they're just laying back there, you know. Once in a while, a, a, a truck comes through and they got to check them in and then they're back on to just snooze. I mean, I mean, that's a restful job now, right? That's pretty way, pretty good way to do it. Uh, Moses, no, he didn't. He didn't have a restful job at all. Yeah. But God prom- promised him, I'll go with you. So that's why when God says, I'm going to send an angel to take you up, Moses goes, uh-uh, no, wait, no. Why, why would he say that? Is it maybe because he had already experienced the presence of God and didn't want to be without it? Sometimes I wonder if American Christianity has never really experienced the presence of God. Now, I'm not talking about the charismatic Pentecostal garbage. Garbage was the right word. I I didn't slip. Okay. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a genuine presence of God when you when you uh, understand that uh, that he is there in the in, in a in a quiet still small way isn't that, isn't that what Elijah heard up Mount Carmel it was the wind and the fire and the earthquakes and God wasn't in the wind he wasn't in the fire he wasn't in the earthquake and then said a still small voice it was still why because God's not frantic 
It was small. Why? Because God doesn't have to scream to those that are in His presence. Actually, the voice of God, it can be missed easily. It's for those that are still and listening. And He said it's a voice. What is, a vo- what's, what is so indicative of a voice is that it's heard and not seen. <laughs> you hear a voice, you don't see a voice. And this is, this is, this is the presence of God. It is still, it's small, and it's heard, and it's not seen. We need that. Jesus said, come unto me, all your labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. It's the, listen, it's the presence of God that brings us rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is Light. Hundreds of years later, God is going to offer this rest once again to Israel. They're in idolatry once again. They're, they're away from God once again. And over in Jeremiah 6.16, 6, it's a very famous passage, been preached on many, many times, when the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, wherein is good way, and walk therein, and therein shall you find rest for your souls. Do you see what's in the old path? It's just not the old, the old path isn't the end of it all, right? Right, just doing the old stuff. Nothing. I, I, I listen. I, we need to be ever aware of that. Do you realize when, when we're, I was just talking to somebody the other day when when um, when uh, revival came into the life of uh, of Josiah and revival came into the life of Hezekiah and some of these people when they opened up the temple again and they brought back the music. The Bible says they brought back the instruments of David, the, the man of God. By the time of uh, Josiah, I believe, you're talking over 250 years. Talk about old paths. They they went to the old music and the old instruments. Why? Because they came about by the man of God, not the world. Right? You know what what people do today? They go to the world to get their music and they just add their Christian words to it. It has nothing to do with the thing of God. It's sensual. It's worldly. It's fleshly. It's devilish. All of it with just some uh, Christian words added to it. You know what you find there in those places? No rest. You know some of them. Some of them are family. And it's like, ah, but, but you can, there's like, there's, there's no sense of rest in their life. There's something that's just, it's just, it, it's, it, it's almost kind of, it's like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rockers, you know. It's nerve, there's nerve-wracking being around them. The Israelites had, band, had abandoned God's word. They had abandoned God's word. And followed their old path. And there's no rest there. Listen, there's no rest in disobedience. There's, there's no rest in doing your own thing. There's no rest in reinventing the scriptures to fit your own narrative. Friend, I'll tell you what, boy. We're not going to get through this. Why do I think we'll ever get through anything in time? We are living in a day where the reinventing of Scripture is so commonplace that it's delusional. I was reading early this morning this post from a guy who was showing biblically, quote, scripturally, and accusing the people of twisting Scripture of how uh, sodomite marriage was biblical. 
And he says, you're twisting scripture and, I mean, and hurling every religious accusation that you, we might hurl at them. Turning it right around. Delusional. Delusional. Saying the word eunuch is speaking of somebody who doesn't have a desire for marriage. And, and, and of course, some are born eunuchs. Of course, Jesus said, Matthew 17, some are born eunuchs. Some are made eunuchs by a man. And, and some just choose to live that lifestyle. It's like, listen, that had nothing to do with homosexuality, you sicko. Yeah. That's Romans 1. You talk about a reprobate mind? You're there, man. I have a lot of compassion for those that get stuck into a lifestyle because of something that has happened in their life or whatever is going on and, and they're just aimlessly walking around. But man, that's, that guy, that's sick. It absolutely is. And uh, you, you abandon the Word of God. I'm telling you, there's no rest there. There's no way. No way. I want you to notice our pattern for rest. We've got to move on here. See, if your heart's right with God, you're going to find rest right in the middle of difficulty. Yeah. Uh, that peace that passeth all understanding, right? You'll find that. Listen, if, if the anxiety is wound up, I'm amazed at Christians on anxiety pills. Oops. I don't know if anybody in here is like that, but I'm telling you, they're out there. If you're right with God, in the middle of adversity, you know what you can find? Peace. Peace. Absolutely. Rest. He placed such a strong priority on rest, God did. I want you to notice our pattern for rest. It's God Himself. Remember in Genesis chapter, chapter 2, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work He had made, and, he God, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it He had rested from all His work which God created and made. So God pointed back the Israelites. They pointed, he pointed them back to creation example when he gave them the fourth commandment of rest, uh, of the Sabbath rest. He said, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the seventh unto the Lord. In it thou shalt, do not, uh, thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Here it is. Listen, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. God gave the Sabbath rest, watch this, to show the importance of faith. Faith. I told a guy just recently, he made a comment about it, having to work on Sunday. I said, yeah, I used to, Hear an old farmer, he'd say, if you couldn't get it done at 6, you're not going to get it done at 7, so you might as well go to church and pick up again on Monday. <laughs> Some wisdom right there. Absolutely is. But, but, but the, that, that Sabbath rest was, was showing the importance of faith. The Israelites were to work to accomplish all that they could in six days and go ahead and just trust God with the seventh day. Do what you can in six and trust them with the seventh. And, and, and rest in this way. It is an expression of faith in God. It's an expression of faith. Yeah. We're not under the Mosaic law. We know that. 
but we still have the Lord's Day. And I think it's still a very, very appropriate thing to trust God with the seventh day or the first day of the week, right? To trust Him with that, absolutely. But we, we're not under that Mosaic Law in that way, on that Saturday rest. But uh, our bodies and our emotions, we do still need rest. And we do choose that rest many times, don't we? I just got to get away. I just got to do this. I just got to do that. And, it's, and, and you need to at times, right? We absolutely need to. But God is our pattern for rest. He rested on the seventh day. You know what else happened? You know what else that seventh day rest is illustrating? That same rest is illustrating our salvation. Watch. God, in creation, God did everything necessary. That's what the, sixth, that's what the seventh day rest was. What God was saying on the seventh day. Everything is complete. For everything to operate the way it says, ever since he finished, ever since he finished, listen, ever since he finished creation, he created nothing else. He has created nothing else since. Why? Because it was complete. Everything was done. And and that same rest is for us in, in, in our salvation. Everything he has done for us in Christ Jesus is complete. The day we put our faith and trust in Christ, there is nothing else that needed to be done. There is nothing else that Jesus Christ needed to do. Everything, listen, everything was there. Everything was available. Everything was finished that God had done. And so what do we do in Christ? We rest in him. Because there's nothing we can do, right? Rest. Our pattern, God is our pattern for rest. And, but we have a person of rest as well. If we learn one thing from God bringing out His people out of Egypt, we've learned this, is that we need God. We need Him. He prioritized rest in the Ten Commandments, but it just wasn't any rest, right? It wasn't stepping back from their duties. It wasn't stepping back from their responsibilities. It wasn't uh, step, stepping back or ignoring the provisions of their family's physical needs or anything like that. E- even when God told the men to come out into the wilderness and bring booths, God said, I'll take care of your, your women and your children at home. Don't worry about it. I mean, there's still provision that was going to be made in their, it, while they obeyed God, but it was a day of faith set aside to remember that they belong to God. This is the rest that God wove into his creation, right? It's not, no, no, it's not by finding time to, uh, you know, finding time to, uh, uh, to, to get away from church. I just got to get, I had somebody just tell me that the other day. I just found out we were just doing too much, just doing too much at church, too much at church. That, that's where all of our, some of these family problems came. Now that was delusional because I know where all their family problems came from and that wasn't it. That's not the rest we're talking about. Watch. God is our pattern for us, but we have a person for us, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. We find our rest by going to Jesus. That's where our rest is. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, Come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's a promise. That's a promise. We need to set blocks of time away for rest. Absolutely we do. We need to get away. Sometimes people need a vacation, whatever that is. They need it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a thing that we need. But true rest, 
the rest that the world is looking for, the rest that we look for as children of God, whether we're physically working or whether you're in, in retirement age and you just lay around the house all day, which I know that never happens in retirement because everybody in retirement tells me they're busier than they've ever been before, right? And so, oh, are you retired? Oh, I didn't know that. You can be resting for the rest of your days and still not have rest. That's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We experienced it first at salvation when we ceased from our own works and rested in Jesus. Right. And we're told in Hebrews 4, 9 through 10, there remaineth now therefore a rest for the people of God. Our pattern of rest. There's a person of rest. We're not going to get this today, but next week we'll look at this our path to rest. Yeah. Are you tired? Yeah. Are you wore out? Are you exhausted with this world? Are you exhausted of the direction? Are you exhausted with your own life and your own choices? Are you exhausted with the pattern of your own life? Right. God has given us a pattern. We need rest. God has given us the person of rest. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Jesus said, here's the way. Walk you in it. What is that pattern? Well, it's obedience, trust, faith. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? It's an aspect of trust and faith, just doing what we're told to do. We'll look at this more here in the morning service. Uh, We'll be back in Jeremiah in here just a little bit. But... uh, if you're not at rest this morning, there's a reason. If you're, if you're a born-again child of God this morning, if you've been saved, right? If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you know your sins are gone, you know you've been born again, you remember that day, hey, listen, you should still be living in rest. And if you're not, if you're not, there's something in the way. And it's not God, it's you. Right? And we're going to continue to look at this through the next couple weeks here on the the rest that God gives us. When God delivers, hey, when God delivers, rest comes. And I'm thankful for that. We'll continue on next week. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the rest that you give us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is who is our rest. I just pray this morning that you would help us here today that if we have gotten away from you when we've realized we're living in a place of our life where it's just turmoil and the rest is, is just eluding us. It's nowhere to be found. That we had come to the realization that we've put, put something in the way in between us and you. We have, we have started looking to other things for that rest and they never satisfy. Would you help us to put them aside, turn back to you with our heart and find that rest that we're needing. Lord, we will not go forward without, that, without your presence. We need your presence and we ask you to help us to find anything that is keeping you from being close to us in our life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be back in just a few minutes.